1: Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church pastors, leaders by established church pastors and leaders. We're so glad that you are listening. My name is Josh King, uh, recording here in central Arkansas. Got with me Micah from um, East or Middle Tennessee. I think there's some confusion on that. It's East. East Tennessee. We're from Chattanooga. Forget what everybody else says. (laughs) We are our own thing, man. From the Chattanoogas. And then we also have Sam, who is either north, south, south, Are West Florida, one of those Southwest Southwest Florida? so there we go. Mine's a little bit easier to understand. It's just literally in the middle. There's, there's no distinctions there. So I was, uh, somebody asked my wife about a podcast episode that we did the other day. And, um, she started laughing and said, um, I don't listen to their podcast, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they were like, "Oh, okay." And she says, "No, I listened to it one time. I just can't. I can't do the banter at the beginning. Like, I have to fast forward through that part." I was like, "Ouch!" Like, you just you just don't like us talking. And she's like, "I'm just not interested." No, she's <laughs> so. thinking to myself. She's thinking to herself. I hear that enough at home. Like, I she don't does. have to listen
0: to it on a podcast. And this is your wife saying this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then and in her hey, Jackie, defense I do listen. tell
1: her um I, I, I mean I pretty much recap the conversations when I get home you know we just talk about our day and I was like "Oh, you know Sam I, I'm said listen this to, I said that I
0: think it's great your wife listens mine has I don't think she's ever listened to one episode
1: No I mean she 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 maybe has listened to one one episode so <laughs> it's just one of those funny things people think that they're like listening to everything we say and they're not they don't care So Speaking of um, listens, uh, I just want to thank our listeners. Our downloads for the month are kind of almost what well, we could say at a record high, and that's really great. We love that people are sharing, interacting on the Twitterverse and uh, kind of giving their comments in there. The other interesting thing, I, I'm sure you guys saw this. I threw it out on Twitter, where are you guys listening from? And our highest, I mean, there wasn't very many responses, but at the time was Canada. The majority of the answers were coming from the well, great northern front. All our Canadian Canadians. Friends, man, that's awesome. I
2: love yeah. Canada. I legitimately like I not hear me, I'm not being sarcastic. I really love Canada. Aside from the cold weather, I love Canada. I'm probably summer. We, got, going to we Canada got a lot of Canadians
0: summer. in our church. They oh, come yeah? Down Spoken
2: and, oh yeah, that's right, Sam. That makes sense for you. All the Yeah, we we would
0: I you. would say we would have Three, four times the amount of Canadians than we do say mm-hmm. people from the deep south, Alabama, Georgia, wow. Mississippi. Yeah, I mean we—that's awesome. We've got That's a cool. strong set, segment of Canadians.
1: They come from all over down here in the winter time. And so, uh, if you are a Canadian listener, particularly special shout out to you. We love absolutely. You. All, all you people, fart. if
0: you're if you're in Edmonton right now,
1: mm. I'd like to hear from you because love you know from Edmonton.
0: It's that's 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 real Canada. I mean, that's way up north. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I,
2: I've spent time and I've spoken on the east and west side, so Toronto and Vancouver, but I've never been anywhere in between
1: those two, which is oh, basically let me, like let me tell you, Saskatchewan, Alberta, <laughs> Saskatchewan, Alberta, beautiful, beautiful. I, I interviewed for an associate pastor position in Edmonton, and uh, really? I was sitting in my truck. My wife, kids were inside. The kids were asleep, so we were a real small house. So I went out in the truck to talk to them on the phone. I was talking to him on the phone. It was January, February or something like that. I had a t-shirt and shorts on as I was sitting there just kind of realized the windows were open. And I said, "So, what's the weather like there?" He's like, "There's a 12 foot snow drift right out my door right now." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if this is gonna work." <laughs> so,
2: as we're recording this, uh, we're supposed to get
1: snow tomorrow here
2: in Chattanooga, like an inch or two, which I'm not very happy about. I'm uh-huh. supposed to be driving through the mountains tomorrow to a meeting, but anyway, we'll see if that happens. My sister lives outside of the Wisconsin Dells, up in Wisconsin, and their mm-hmm. windchill projected tomorrow or Wednesday is minus 52. Oh my goodness! Literally. If Shut I were to draw up it. a theological description of hell, it would have minus fifty two somewhere in the description. That's Everybody funny says it's hot, but you know our wind,
0: chill, our wind chill the same day is supposed to be fifty two. Wow. Yes. yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he's getting out the winter jacket, man. The North Face. Is I coming know. Out. They're,
0: they're, they're going to oh, no, get man. Patagonia. We, we get. We get. We get sweater. We get sweater warnings for the school system. <laughs> I saw when that when it dips below. When it dips below fifty. They send out a a sweater warning like you don't forget to put your kids in the one sweater that they own. So I kid you not. They literally do that down here.
2: When we lived in West Africa, the lowest it would ever get the very coldest it would ever get in the middle of the night, and the coldest part of the year would be like 72, 74 degrees something like that mm-hmm. and My friends would wear toboggans and winter, winter jackets and get pneumonia when it would be seventy five degrees <laughs> get pneumonia. I promise you i'm not kidding, <laughs> I promise you it's the truth. We had friends we had to visit with the doctor because they would be sick because That's of the cold the, weather you take your body but, and I mean, the when you never when you've never in your whole life lived in a, in a you know temperature below eighty degrees right seventy five your body cold
1: body shock so all right. We're going to switch gears here considerably, just like a hard turn. Uh, yes. Like a cold nor'easter. Cold yes. nor'easter. We're blowing in a different direction. We're blowing here in. Here it goes. Uh, let's talk about approachability. Uh, Dr. Sam Rayner posted on his uh, personal web log. Uh, that's for you kids. That's what that used to mean. <laughs> um, about being approachable, being you know kind as a pastor. Sam, sum that up for us
0: yeah you know it's something that there's i get a lot i think people talk a lot about it um but not a whole lot of people have written about it so i said i'll just take a stab at this and um you know i I don't know that i'm the most approachable pastor i've heard actually i've heard people say i'm very approachable and they love that about me yeah and i've heard people say you're not approachable at all Mm. um so i'm i'm probably pretty average um but so i was thinking i was thinking through this for myself and and Sunday mornings are a really good time for pastors to manage the perceptions that people have of them. And again, this isn't being fake. This isn't being, you know, putting on a face. This isn't um, trying to be someone you're not. None of that. It's just, you're going to be in front of a lot of people. A lot of people are going to be watching you, whether they're talking to you or not. They're watching you talk to other people. Mm -hmm. And it's a good time for you to kind of let people know, this is who I really am. And I enjoy being your pastor. And yes, you can approach me um, right? and you know I could get into all the leadership theories about follower perceptions and followership and how you know the leader is um, you know isn't just what he or she says um, right. about themselves it's also what followers say they are um, and so there's all sorts of theories there I won't bore people with that but the cliche is true perception is reality and
1: and it, you have to yeah, manage it. it's that. not at all about being fake I mean you are do you, do you love your church yes well then show them And they're there, so you know, like them, Micah. What's your deal with this? Are you? uh, Do you think through this, or is this just kind of part of your personality? Or what are some of the? I think through this a lot. um, Gosh, a whole lot. So it's interesting.
2: At our church, there is widely different views about whether I'm approachable or not, and they often fall along generational lines. Sure. So I would say the majority of the folks that I've talked to, sort of fifty and below. Tend to think that I'm approachable, and older folks tend to say that they're that they don't think I'm approachable, mm-hmm. and so I've had to work uh, over time to try and com- combat that. Um Reality And so there are a few things that I try and do. The Sunday morning thing that Sam mentioned is really wise. It's hard for me because our services are back-to-back, and I don't have time between services. And they're in different places, so I have to travel back and forth between the services. And you have to change clothes, too. And I do. I literally change clothes between every service because we have a contemporary, like a modern service. Are you really that sweaty? (laughs) No, it's not the sweat. We have like pretty uber modern service at 830. And then I have 15 minutes before our traditional. I call it traditional. It's really not traditional. It's choir and orchestra led, but it's suit and tie for me. Mm Cufflinks and a bow tie, that sort of thing. And then I get out of that and go back to the really modern service. I don't even own
1: cufflinks or a bow tie. Yeah, that's a problem, man.
2: That's that's devastatingly sad for you. I but should anyway. invest in that. So that's hard for me. Sam's right, though. Most churches probably don't have that situation, or if you do have multiple services, there's longer time between it, so you can spend some time. I, an older pastor once told me, walk slowly through the auditorium on Sundays, and I thought that was really, it's simple, but it's really wise. Just yeah. start at the back and walk slowly, shaking hands, saying hello. That sort of thing will help you. Um, and then the other thing I do is I am incessantly intentional about an open door policy. And I don't mean by that, come see me anytime you want. I mean by that, literally, with the exception of a, a few times when I have private meetings, my door is physically open all the time. And church members and staff can walk in almost anytime they want. Mm-hmm. Now, they check with my assistant and she lets them know if there's something going on that they need to not walk into. But I'd say 90, 85 to 90% of my time, my door is open and they're they're welcome to come in at any time. Um, now that means that I have to work and do some odd sermon prep times. Yeah, but I do that oftentimes at odd times, either late at night, that sort of thing, so that when I'm in the office, I'm available. There's so a, a couple. Let, let me mention one other thing, Josh. That yeah. a friend of mine, and this is not really unusual. You guys have probably heard this before, but a mentor of mine when I was a young pastor, what he did is he worked from home every day until noon and he did all of his sermon prep, all of his reading, all of his studying, all that was done so that when he came to the office at noon, he was never in his office with the door closed doing any sort of studying or personal stuff. His door was Mm -hmm. open, and he was people-focused from noon until the end of day every day.
1: I love that. That, I think, is actually a really helpful idea as well. I think this is part of—some people will kind of rib me, especially if they're of an older generation pastors, uh, like my mentor. He loves to mess with me about this, but I like doing sermon prep uh, at coffee shops, and if you— Follow me on social media. You know that, and I I enjoy it. This is part of the reason. There's not a time when I – and I switch up the coffee shops. I go to four or five different ones. Um, There's not a time I'm out there that I don't run into members or community leaders or just other people in the community that know me, and they'll stop, and they'll say something. And that's a time where I'm more exposed. And uh, I don't know. It's just there is a benefit from letting – quote, unquote, the community see you work. They see me studying. My Bible's open. I'm, I've got my headphones on, yes. I'm I'm focused on what I'm doing. But anybody comes over to me they or I see them, I'll take my headphones off, stand up, talk to them for a little bit, those sort of things. So it's, there's an approachability to it. The other thing that I've noticed, which kind of piggybacks on what you guys are saying there, is um, I've learned, probably the hard way, um, when it's an older generation, there's there's two things that I try to do. So there's touch, so a hug for the ladies, a handshake for the guys, and then there's time. So with younger generation, I can just breeze through, high five, handshake, keep walking. And how's that thing going? You know, and keep walking. But with the older ones, I need to, I usually, like, I'll go through the senior adult ladies class. I'll hug them and then sit down, even if it's the same amount of time I'm in the room. The looking like I'm spending and investing time communicates to them, and again, this is not being manipulative. I want them to know I love them, and I'm in, I'm well, and body interested body language communicates in their life. a lot of that. Right. Body language is a way to say that. Yeah. Right. So the time thing with the younger, it's touch and then interest. So like a handshake, high five, and then something along their interest level—work, a sports team, some you know a, a team they have on their shirt, something like that. So. Um, whereas it it cost me less time, it does cost me more energy with the investment in remembering kind of what they do and those sort of things. So those two things, differentiating that have made me, um, I, I think I have a very approachable reputation. However, I, in both of my pastors followed guys that were not known for being approachable. So some of it's just a comparison.
0: Yeah, and, you know, let's just take this example of walking around, as Micah mentioned, walk slow, not fast. Mm-hmm. Let's you know someone who has maybe met you once or twice shaking your hand once or twice they see you constantly sprinting around going from one place to the other what's their perception it's you're too busy for me but you walk slowly through the auditorium through the sanctuary even if they don't feel like oh, I need to go talk to them they feel like they can so these right. perceptions are so critical and you do as a leader if you're not thinking about these things you're missing good opportunities To shepherd people even from a distance even you you can shepherd people through perceptions and and I think that we neglect that a lot as pastors we just Mm -hmm. we've got our thing we have to do we've got emergencies we've got crises we've got we've got to jump to the next thing Um, you know ministry is very disjointed and jarring you know you're you know high-fiving someone because you know your team won the game and the next thing you're turning around and somebody's crying on your shoulder because they, they lost their daughter Mm -hmm. Um, you you know, it, it, it does, you you have whiplash all the time in ministry, but you do have to think about how you manage the people's perceptions of you. It's, it's just part of leadership. And and by the way, it's not just applicable to pastors. Um, this really applies to any leader, but it's especially important to pastors because you're shepherding people. Yeah. Um, they have to feel like they can approach you. Let me give you a few practical
2: things that we've done here at Brainerd that have been helpful. And I'll be honest with you. So Brainerd is larger and and that's made it very tricky and I'm still trying to figure this thing out and we're not there. In fact, I had conversations literally this morning about some folks in the church who say I need to be more accessible or I need to know a specific demographic better. and, And I'm working at those plans, but I'll tell you a few of the things that we've done that seem to have been helpful that are really simple and not hard. One um, when I first got here, I, I talked to one of our folks who works a lot with senior adults, and I said, "Work with my assistant. I want one in-home visit with a senior adult or a shut-in every week." And so, I, when my first year here, we did it almost every week or every other week. We've slowed down a little bit since then because of some other demands that have been on my calendar. Um, but we wanted to make an intentional effort for a couple of reasons. One, I just wanted to know those folks who I might not otherwise get to know because they weren't going to be here in the building, and uh-huh. two. I knew that if we could if we could begin to reach out and care for those, and, and again, it wasn't a ploy, it wasn't a farce. It was an intentional effort for me to get to know them. But I also knew word would get out that the pastor was trying to pay attention to these folks that might not otherwise be known, and so that you know that was significant. I wanted to do that from the beginning. Another thing that I, I have done that has been really helpful is we put once a month together. Uh, we call it lunch with Micah and lunch with Pastor Micah. I think is what we call it. And we do a little online sign-up, and we close registration like three days in advance, and we ask everybody to pay, I don't know, like 5 or $10 to come to it, so it just covers the cost of the meal. And we limit it to 20 people. We will never allow more than 20 people at that lunch. And I literally have no agenda. I usually give them like two hours that day, and we sit down at a table, and I ask each of them to go around, tell me about when they came to know the Lord, how they came to Brainerd, tell me a little bit about their story, and then I just i have no agenda other than what questions do you have about the church, about me, my family, what can we answer – and, it's, and and once you come to one of those lunches, you're not allowed to come back for six months. We won't allow you to re-register for six months because we're trying to get as many people as possible through those That's lunches cool. I like where we that can idea. sit down and personally meet as many people as possible. And it's been really, really helpful.
1: Yeah. Micah, tell us about the March in Orange County, California. Yeah, so we're really excited about our friends. It's not a March, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's in March. Our friends at Lifeway
2: Leadership are hosting uh, in March in Orange County, California, a much-needed church leadership event that is all about leading change. And if you know you need to lead change but you're not sure where to start, then this event is for you. Different than other leadership conferences, you're gonna spend most of your time in a group of less than 50 other leaders discovering how to implement change in your church and to make sure that every church leader leaves with a personalized plan for change, they're capping the event at 300 people. So if you know you need to lead change, but you're not really sure where to start, then make sure to register for Blueprint Coaching in Orange County, California on March 14th and 15th. If you want more information, just go to lifeway.leadership.com forward slash events and we know Todd Adkins and Daniel M and our friends over at Lifeway Leadership are fantastic leaders and they train really well I would really encourage folks to go not to mention you mentioned this I think last week but two or three days in Orange County in March Mm-hmm. Amen. Sign That's me up right. for that. And anything like right. does. It will not be negative 52 <laughs> at that event. I'm pretty confident about that.
1: We can put money down on it. So our pastor friends in Canada
2: don't. who listen to this, this is your chance to get away from the snow. Though I'll be honest. I spoke for a week in Alaska like three years ago. I think I did a pastor and wives thing for a week. and up And it was like 50s, mid-50s while we were there the whole time. The snow was yeah. still on the ground. But... Uh, We were able to go to high elevations, and they were all disappointed. They said the fun time of the year for them is when it's the coldest, because that's when they all get to go out and play in the snow. They've got all the big machines and equipment. Yeah, but I mean, they've got these really cool like machines that you can go drive, toys that you can go play in the snow. So I like it. I get that, but yeah, if you want to escape the cold, go to Orange County, California, March 14th and 15th, and learn about leading change in your church.
1: Micah, the uh, your your lunch thing reminds me of something we did in Texas, which was super easy to do. Uh, and it kind of enforced the approachability idea and totally came from Charity, the children's minister down there, too, who's fantastic, by the way. And uh, so she just did this thing called Upfront with Pastor Josh. And since you had to be, what was it, first grade and older were in service. We didn't have a kid's church during certain parts of the year. And so first grade and older were in there. So she invited through emails such first grade through third graders to come um sit because i typically sit on the front row before you know while worship's going on before i preach and so they came up she had these little stickers made and they all got to wear a little sticker says up front with pastor josh which sounds kind of super corny but to them it was super fun and so the whole row is me and these first through third graders and the parents are okay with that because they're out in the front you know they're they're not going to goof off or anything like that and they uh kind of watch me. You can tell. You can see out of the corner of your eye. They're watching me worship. I'm expressive during worship. They're paying attention to that. They have their little Bibles. They get a special little um, sheet that's, you know, custom to the sermon I'm doing that day. I'll acknowledge them just with a little note about my friends up here and that sort of thing. Um, So it's super easy. It really engaged the children um, in a way and built these relationships. And it was built into my normal schedule. I'm literally just sitting there normally doing what I do, but I come a little, you know, walk through there, give them all high fives, hand them the stickers, kind of talk to them just for a few minutes and then sermon starts or service starts. So, um, little things like that are big ways to make the parents and the, and the children especially feel that you're approachable. you're just a normal person. You're not on any sort of platform.
2: Yeah. And, and if I can add one more thing, one thing that I've tried to always make it a priority is I pay attention to young kids. Like, yeah. I, I make it a really big deal to know them, to remember their names, to have a little, you know, I do this little funny handshake, high five sort of thing with all the kids. Mm-hmm. I want it. I want to be very clear, number one, that I love kids, I love students, I love older adults. But I've learned that I can connect with parents and grandparents if they see that I care for, I get down on my knees and I pay attention to young kids. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I've done children's camp director for like six years Um, I mean, I just, to me, it matters that we pay attention to those, to those kids. And that's been a really, really big help to sort of. I'm just trying to picture
1: some child give you a high five. Um, Well, I get down on my knees, man. I get down on my (laughs) knees. You just walk through the children's area with your hand up in the ear. You're like, come on, guys. Okay,
0: okay, so let's talk about posturing because that's important. It's huge. You know, when you talk to a child, you get down to their level. Micah especially because, you know, he looks like a skyscraper. When I talk
2: to to Sam and Josh, I get down on their level, you know.
0: Exactly. Now, listen, (laughs) I am almost 6'3", okay?
1: (laughs) I am not. I'm a very short. I have my oh, womanly stature! Oh, my
2: wife at four foot nine. You should see those, man. That's a that we we've, we've had to learn conversations over the years. That's right. Oh, bad.
0: So uh, here's here's what I would also uh, want to tell our listeners is take the initiative. Right. Yeah. You're not approachable unless you're the one who is taking the initiative. Wallflowers are not approachable. That's the whole like definition of being a wallflower. Um, right. So if you're a pastor, even if you're a little more introverted, you have to like work at this. It may be a little easier for extroverts, although extroverts can be really annoying. Um, I am one, so apparently that that's one of my personality traits. So what I've heard about us being being annoying, <laughs> yeah. But you 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 have to go to people, um, and and if you take the initiative, you will be more approachable. Um, sit and stand in different areas of the worship space mm-hmm. during yeah. worship. Mm-hmm. You know. If you've got a balcony, go up in the balcony. Um, If you, uh, you know, one week be in the back, one week be in the front. Uh, Another week, just go sit down next to somebody who, you know, you may not know and just say, hey, I'm going to sit by you while we sing. Um, There's all sorts of ways to do this and people will see you doing this, um, which is critically important. It's obviously important to the person that you're talking to and engaging in that moment. But it's also important to the rest of the congregation because they're watching you.
1: Yeah, um, you know, help I'm just your Just picturing leaders. a pastor in the back, and it's time to preach, and he does like the whole Price is Right run and high-fiving everybody on the way down, and I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, Did that yeah. Make sense? I mean, just you—you. <laughs> you, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Don't do that. But yeah, <laughs> I'm just in the back. So yeah, just take the initiative,
0: um, and I think that it, it, that in and of itself will help. If you're always waiting on people to approach you. You're probably not as approachable as you could be. Yeah.
1: You know, for some people, when you talk to them, this is a personality thing or it has some rooting in personality. So like you said, you talked about the wallflowers or the, the annoying optim- or um, outgoing people. The, the so So some people are like, that's just not me. I don't know how to be that way or I don't want to be that way. And wouldn't I be fake if I did that? No. Here's why it's not fake because it's teaching. You're teaching people that you're communicating something. And I know all pastors, all church leaders want to communicate certain ideas. And so you are physically communicating this person matters. You are also physically communicating and teaching to the other people around that people matter. New people, uh, uh, older people, children, they all matter. This all matters. So you're not being hypocritical because you do want to communicate those ideas. This is the this is one of the most effective ways to communicate those ideas, and it teaches people that look even if you don't feel like being out of your shell, we still have a mandate to go and make disciples and talk to people. And sometimes, I mean, just making disciples and sharing the gospel requires that you're going to talk to people, and so it helps with that, I think. And if that's the motivation you need to to strengthen um, a weak or a, a weak area in your personality, then then maybe that's a good thing. It's also not saying that introverted pastors are a bad thing. Those are great things. They're often reflective. No, but. not at all. It's just you have to. You might have to work a little
0: harder at, sure. at doing this. Yeah, um, I mean, but introverts can engage people one-on-one very well. Mm-hmm. And so if you're an introvert, you may say, well, I don't want to like quote-unquote work a room, but what I'll do is I'll be very visible when I'm talking to one person. Right. And so there are ways to do this within the framework of your personality. You don't... Mm-hmm. You don't have to be fake, certainly, but if you are holed up in a closet and you're just going to walk out on the stage and preach and then walk back into your closet, th- th- you what know, what are you communicating? Yeah. yeah, that that's just not that's just strange. Um, so let me ask you guys this: uh, in your world um, of all the pastors that you've encountered over time, particularly maybe some of your mentors or some of the people that um, you've uh, you respected, or even if you respect from a distance, you don't know them. What, what are Who would you say are some approachable pastors that are mm. out there? Good question. That, we, that, we, can, that so, we can look to, Michael. I'll tell you, um, in my
2: experience, one of them is one of my mentors who's now retired. His name is John Marshall. He was at Second Baptist Springfield, Missouri, one of the most approachable pastors I've ever met in my life. But I'll tell you, Johnny Hunt is an extremely approachable Absolutely. pastor in my experience. Like, I've been amazed how he knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you another one is Rick Warren. Um, hmm. like I, it's amazing. I've met that guy just two or three times. I don't know, four times, something like that. I still remember the very first time my family met him was at, um, an annual Southern Baptist convention meeting and I wasn't with her. He met my wife in the hallways. And if you've ever been to a meeting where he's at, he shakes everybody's hands, actually gives everybody a hug, like everybody in the room. And so he was going through the halls doing that. We met him the next day and he remembered my wife's name on site. Like, wow. it, it it was stunning to me how well he did with that. So when when you think about large national names, those are those are guys that I've looked to as guys who are incredib- incredibly personal
1: and seem to have a crazy, a crazy recall as well. Right. So for me, Russ Barksdale, who is the pastor of Rush Creek in Arlington, Texas, I had looked up to this guy forever. Just, I mean, I just thought he was greatness, revitalized the church, led the church through tons of change. It's now a large multi-site church. He's been there for a long time. And... Um, Literally, we're we're at a thing. Uh, I think we were in St. Louis for for a meeting, and he came over in the room. We weren't. It was a big room. It was like a breakout session. Uh, Three four hundred people were in that room, and he walks over and kneels down in front of me and kind of put his hand on one of my knees. It's big group there, and he's like, "Aren't you Josh?" Or like just kind of connected these dots, and and he's like, "I'd like to get coffee with you or something." You're on this panel, right? And and kind of like just showed. I don't know everything, but I'm kind of putting some stuff together. Could we hang out a little bit? And then he walked away. I totally fanboyed and, and freaked out to my friend next to me. I was like, that's Russ Barton. That guy is legendary in my brain. I'll tell you another one who I just recently met. His his name's Rick Bazette. He's a pastor here in Conway, and it's a very huge church. And, uh, man, we spent some time together. I text him. He said, come over, hang out. I went over he showed me around their facility there but as we're walking i told my wife i said either all of those people were staged or rick knows every single one of their names and what they're doing and he's just walking through this busy hallway and he'd give a high five ask about somebody's wife ask about you know uh, a medical issue this person was doing kids adult senior adult and as we're walking away from the person he'd give me a little tidbit about who that person was and what they're going through or, you know, nothing personal, but he would just he would just share kind of like he honestly knew everybody there. The other cool thing, which kind of I think goes into it, we walked past a coffee bar area, and as he's talking just, uh, I guess, ha- habitually, it wasn't like an intentional. You could just see he's just talking. He wasn't really thinking about it. He is straightening up the knackpins and putting things back in order as he just – it was just this like ownership of the people and the place, and I was really impressed by that. I thought it was cool. Really approachable on both of those counts. What about you, Sam?
0: You know, I'd have to say just one name, Jim Henry, and he's uh, oh, you know, obviously okay. not pastoring anymore. But First Orlando, he was the master at this. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing. As I'm thinking of names, I'm thinking of older pastors. Right. I'm wondering sure. if we might have lost some of this in our younger generation. Well, I think I'm we can look up to older the, guys
1: because we're younger.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. I'm just I'm just trying to think of like younger guys who are doing this well. I can think of some of the masters at it who are older. You know, 60s, 70s, 80s. You're mm-hmm. in their 80s right now, but, um, but I'm I, you know I don't know as many our age. So maybe this is a new well. I think that the perception is better. these
1: guys that are at massive churches and they're still approachable. That just seems so. And and I'll tell you something I have found is, and it may kind of dovetail into what you're saying there, Sam is. The guys at these medium-sized churches a lot of times are the hardest to get a hold of. And it just seems like I can't ever kind of sit down and talk to them because they're so busy. And I, but, like, Jack Graham at Prestonwood, so approachable, so friendly, knows my name, talks to me, asks me questions about my son. You know, it's just the bigger ones. I often wonder sometimes if, if our perception of, like, oh, you know, we look up to these guys as kind of like heroes – if it's not something that God is blessing because they genuinely seem to care about people, they, they invest in people. And that's sort of the, the thing that God blesses there. Any final thoughts from either of you before we close out? I think one of the things, my last thought
2: would be this. I was thinking about you guys mentioning the introverts, you know, and how this can be tough for an introverted pastor. Right. Uh, Let me say my experience here is that this is hard and must be intentional. And it really doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. I am, you guys know this. I'm an extreme extrovert, like mm-hmm. off the charts extrovert. This is really hard for me, uh, and part of it is because I'm an extreme extrovert, but because I have so many meetings with so many people during the week that I get peopled out. Like it, even as much oh, yeah. as an, of an extrovert as I am, when I start to get like I, when I get to a place where I don't have an intentional meeting, in other words, where I'm just walking through crowds and I don't have a specific plan to talk to someone, I often want to just not. Because it's Mm -hmm. just I've been so consumed with people all the time. And I have to be very intentional. And sometimes I'm not very good at this. And, you know, people around me know that I get frustrated because sometimes I don't do a great job. Mm. So I think the thing I would say is whether you're introvert or extrovert, this is intentional and often hard. But, you know, as a follower of Jesus, we do hard things sometimes. And that's okay.
1: Yeah, what I've noticed is through all of our conversation here is how much we've all thought through. You know, like how I stand, where I stand, where I walk, all the way I speak, who I'm speaking to, all of those things matter. And so think through them. Be intentional about that. I know you guys listen. I am curious if our listeners have ever listened to the Ask Me Anything podcast. This one is co-hosted by J.D. Greer and Todd Unziger. They are part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family, and they've recently talked about how to handle politics, whether or not to attend a homosexual wedding, and ways to distinguish God's calling on your life. So just look them up, ask me anything on your favorite podcasting app. You can see JD's mug on the picture there and subscribe today. Fantastic stuff. Very short. Even if you have a a tiny little commute like I do, seven minutes, you can hear like his whole answer to things. And it's fascinating because I think JD is super, super smart. So check out that podcast and our other Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family. And thanks for listening again to EST. We'll catch you next week.
2: You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network.